starting a new journey on the kingdom. And today we're looking at first what does it mean to seek his kingdom, to put his kingdom first. Um, interesting enough, I've been listening and maybe you've seen some of the, the commercials on TV that, that have found out on the government website that one in four Canadians, 18 and older, are suffering from anxiety. And uh, this is something that has become, uh, actually it was 2021, those numbers. So it would be interesting to see, we haven't got our numbers in yet completely, from 2022, uh, what that looks like. But uh, one in four Canadians are uh, struggling with symptoms of depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And the actual one that they call this anxiety is uh, generalized anxiety disorder also known as GAD, and uh, you know, I, I'm not too much aware of that. Pastor Sheila is our professional here today, and others who are made more aware of the reality of this, but uh, just looking into it a little bit, dabbling a little bit into it, and realizing that people who experience GAD will experience chronic and excessive and uncontrollable worry. You may also be on the edge, they said, uh, by easily being fatigued, have difficulty concentrating, feel irritable, experience muscle tension, and have problems sleeping. And so the government is concerned because if left untreated, those with GAD are at greater risk of developing medical problems like heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. So you can see why the government is concerned with a healthcare system that's already stretched to the limits, realizing if one in four Canadians are suffering under anxiety, what is that going to look for our, like our healthcare system in the days ahead? But you know what? Uh, not to belittle what people are going through, uh, worry and anxiety is nothing new. Because Matthew 6, first before we go there, this, this helped me a little bit to understand what they're talking about. Stress is caused, now Pastor Sheila, you can let us know if there's truth about this. Stress is caused by an existing stress-causing factor or stressor. Now you notice that the B is around there. Anxiety is stress that continues after the stressor is gone. Now I'm thinking of a COVID, right? That we've been put through, we've been traumatized, really, all that we've been through in COVID. And some have been traumatized more than others. And so now that they say that COVID is behind us, uh, you know, is this what they mean by anxiety? That we're worried, we're concerned. When, and I, I did a study, too, about 1918 and what happened uh, there and how many years it took before people actually believed that there wasn't going to be another wave, right? That was going to do that again. It took years for people to believe that. And so we, we see that there's a lot of anxiety, but our Lord, <laughs> our Lord on the Sermon on the Mount decided to take some time, as Pastor Mike read the passage for us, and told us what? Don't be anxious. Your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. And so worry and anxiety is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. These, these are the things that God has said, you know, that's been around and man has to deal with. And it's not to say that you know, we're not going through difficult days and people are struggling. But my friends, if you look at history, man has been struggling ever since the beginning of time. And the question is, what do we do about it? And I believe today it's important for us as a church to ask the Lord, how do we deal with these issues in this day that we live in? And uh, so Jesus tells us not to worry. Now, while I spent my time 
in prayer, and by the way, it wasn't a vacation, it was a time of prayer and study, uh, I, I found this handout, and if you're interested in a copy of it, I can make copy, a copy for you, and it's called One Word. This woman started this back in 2018, and every year she kind of goes through this small exercise uh, looking for the word for the year, and, and, and I said, well, that's good, Lord, that's what, I need, what I'm needing, that's what I'm looking for, what word would you give me for this year, for myself, and what word would you give me for the church, and I thought it would be two separate words, and as I prayed through it, the word that kept resonating with me for us and the church is the word kingdom, kingdom. And so as I looked at the different verses and I began to pray and ask God, well, what does that look like? The Lord said to me that this scripture is our scripture for the year. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you realize that the kingdom of God was planned? The kingdom of God is a major theme all throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's interesting that our Lord began his earthly ministry talking about the kingdom, and he closed his message with talking about the kingdom. And there are 150 verses along in the New Testament that talks about the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. And the word of kingdom in New Testament in the Greek is this idea of realm, a reign. It's about royalty. And this is what we're talking about today, is the reign of Jesus. Now you'll see in some scriptures, in some versions, we'll say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And they are the same thing, by the way. They're used interchangeably. But, you know, we need to realize today that this kingdom was prepared for us. Right from the beginning of time, this kingdom was prepared for us. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. When? From the foundation of the world. This is not some afterthought for God. Oops, it didn't work out, and here's an afterthought. Right from the beginning, right before creation, God had a plan, and his plan was the kingdom. And that he would have people that would share his kingdom with him. And it would be right from the beginning. And so, as I said, this is not an afterthought because it says the kingdom of God, which was prepared for you, God wants you to inherit his kingdom. Now, inherit means that we are heirs, 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 whatever way you would say, heirs. Whatever way you want to say that. What does it mean that you're a beneficiary mm -hmm. of his kingdom? That, that is what it means, that God wants us to be beneficiaries of his kingdom. We are not subjects. We are not slaves. We are heirs. Of the kingdom. See, I, I, I think if we can let this resonate in us and we really start to get this, this gives us an opportunity to hold our heads up high. And now, to hear me right, we come to serve, and I know Paul said that he was a doulos of the Lord, which is slave, servant of the Lord. And that was his choice, but he is also an heir of the kingdom. 
And so as kingdom people, we are joint heirs of the kingdom. And the authority of the king would help us to follow in this idea of the kingdom. We are to be involved in the administration and the execution of God's kingdom right here, right in Elmsdale, right here at the corner. What was the kingdom of God supposed to look like here in West Prince? This is where we get to be the people of God who usher in his kingdom here, right here. And so as we look at God's word, the kingdom is first introduced. And the kingdom is first introduced not when Jesus comes out and, and, and says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because if it's at hand, it must have already been. And so it was already planned and it was already introduced right back in the garden. When God created Adam and Eve. And he placed them where? In the garden. He placed them there as his heirs of the kingdom, as his people of the kingdom, who would work with him in the kingdom. And how do we know that? Listen to these words. Maybe you've heard Genesis many times, but I pray that you would hear these in the eyes of glasses that say kingdom. Listen to verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The kingdom of God, he places Adam and Eve in this kingdom, and he gives them now dominion to rule over the earth. That was God's vision right at the beginning for humanity. He places the two of them in his kingdom and gives them the opportunity to rule. Now we know the story. It's easy for us because we look back in hindsight and we know the story. What interrupted this kingdom? What interrupted this reign? Well, we know it was the sin of Adam and Eve. It was the desire to be their own king and, and not to recognize the king. God. And they sinned. And unfortunately, because of the fall, the kingdom was marred. The kingdom was not the same. Somebody said, you know, and I think this is important, there are two important things that when we're thinking kingdom that happened at the fall. First, the king and the rule of the, of the world. God had put Adam and Eve, mankind, to have dominion over the world. Guess where the power went? At the fall. The power went to the enemy. We know that the enemy now ruled the world for a period, for a time. The second thing that happened was man's understanding of being part of the kingdom is now disappearing. And it's totally marred. And he is now under this severe oppression, under the enemy and evil, the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of our God. And so right there... God began his plan of redemption. That would eventually lead right into the plan of establishing his kingdom once again here. And that we would be his heirs, his co-heirs of his kingdom. See, I brought all that up because for us to fully understand when we get into the Gospels, for us to fully understand when John the Baptist and Jesus speak about the kingdom, you need to go back to Genesis to understand how the power of the kingdom was broken because of man's sin. 
And now, when we open the Gospels, and we see our Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, shows up on the stage, what are the things that are said? And you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is in those moments that the kingdom is now reintroduced to mankind. And we begin to hear about the kingdom. John the Baptist was there and went ahead and he was preparing the way for what? The kingdom. When he says, repent, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus also said in Matthew 4, 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Kingdom was Jesus' focus. That was his focus. That's what he taught. Do you know that Jesus only spoke of church three times? Now, many of us want to read what our Lord said. Many of you have red letter editions. You want to, you're so careful with the words, what Jesus says. This, Jesus said this. And I'm telling you today, now hear me right, I believe in the church. And there are other scriptures that talk about church. But Jesus didn't talk about church. Three times he mentioned church. 119 times he mentions kingdom. And so if we think the words of Jesus are important, then we should also be talking about kingdom. We should be thinking about kingdom. And so the king and the kingdom of God stepped into the world that night that he was born. We just came through Christmas. Amen. We just came through Advent. Do you realize that that's what it's about? The king is here. The king has come. The kingdom of God has been reintroduced and broke in to our fallen world that's been falling under the kingdom of the evil one. That's why I said it was for a time... The kingdom of this world, which is evil, because God now has broken in through Christ taking on flesh and our fallen humanity. The king has come and he is here. And the kingdom of God is here at hand. What did the Magi do? Where is the king? Right? Where is the king? He's here and I'm looking for him. Show us where the king is. So we might what? Bow down. Remember my message before I left? Bow down and worship him. And they came and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And what kind of gifts did they bring? Kingly gifts. The message is there, my friends, that this is about a new kingdom that has been reintroduced through the coming of our Lord. And that, you know, Jesus modeled for us what this kingdom is like here on earth. And now he's left this open invitation to everyone. Come and be a part of my kingdom. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Come and be a part of my kingdom. Why would you want to be a kingdom of this world that is evil when you can be a part of my kingdom? He said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is in your midst. My friends, the kingdom of God is in our midst here today. And I know we have sensed it, many of us have sensed it, that he is here. The king is here. Hallelujah. The king is here. Amen. Now, I've been also studying through the Gospel of John. You know, I had great visions of how what I would all get done, right? And, and, and I'm halfway through the Gospel of John using Scott McKnight's new book and really studying and picking it apart. Uh, but one of the interesting things is, I call him Nico. You know, that whole dialogue with Nicodemus, Right? Jesus having this conversation with Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus,
Nicodemus, and Nicodemus doesn't quite get it. And John, the Gospel of John, and we'll spend some time maybe this year in the Gospel of John, but the Gospel of John is all about believing, seeing and believing. And so we see that Nicodemus is struggling with this seeing and believing. He doesn't quite get it yet, but he's on the journey. And I believe, I, I pray that he did come to a place of faith where he fully understood but this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus is he's saying to him, you must be born into my kingdom. You know, it's, it's, it's something that needs to happen, Nicodemus. You haven't been born into this new kingdom which has been introduced, which is the old kingdom that God always wanted. And in John 3, 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, here it's very, very clear, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see it now and won't see it when it comes in its full entirety. And so that word born again can mean born from above. And we've said this many times here. I know you've had a physical birth because you're here. But I have really no way of knowing by looking at you if you've had that spiritual kingdom birth. And so the big question comes that for you to understand the kingdom and to be a part of the kingdom, you have to have that spiritual kingly birth. And then you are not just kingdom in this fallen world, but now you are a subject of his kingdom which is greater than anything we could see or imagine. So I am now born into his kingdom. That's what these waters of baptism and putting someone down and dying to their sinful nature and this world and all its evil and coming alive in the resurrection in Christ, that they're born now into his kingdom. And that's what God has called us to, to be born into his kingdom. Uh, like Pastor Mike's going to be working through John 17, I believe it is, in the study. And you know, there's this reality now that the kingdom of God is in me, because Christ lives in me, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, and I'm also in the kingdom of God. And what that looks like, you know, it's a mystery. We don't fully understand this. I don't even know where we're really all going with this. I just know we need to start. <laughs> and as the Spirit leads... Jesus said the kingdom of God, if you are in Christ, the kingdom of God is already in you. It's already in you. The kingdom of God. There is something in us that we're desiring for God's kingdom to come right here in Elmsdale as it is in heaven. I like what Paul says in Colossians. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into what? The kingdom of the Son of His love. That's how Paul said it. You have been set free from the kingdom of darkness, and you have now been set into the kingdom of God when you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior and King. That's when we use the term Lord. That's what it means, that He is my King. And therefore, I worship Him. I see there's this aspect of being born again where all of a sudden my citizenship transfers from Canadian, and praise God I am a Canadian and an Italian, but now it transfers into the kingdom of God. That's where my citizenship stands. That's the 
important thing to me. I love Canada. I pray for the politics. I want Canada to do well. I pray for Italy. I want Italy to do well. But my citizenship, my friends, is not here any longer. It is now in the kingdom of God. And that's greater than any earthly citizenship. We have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. And the two kingdoms sometimes are very opposite. And John used a lot of those terms, but just light and darkness, right? Purity and evil. And so people who have been born again into this new kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, now have to live their life according to kingdom standards. And this is where we get here. I said all that to get us here. Because if you're not born of his kingdom, if you've not had an experience with Jesus Christ, you won't understand this. You'll think you're, you're crazy. People are crazy. You want me to do what, Pastor? But once you are born into his kingdom, you realize that, as I said, my citizenship is there, that that becomes my first purpose in life, is to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And there's a promise here, isn't there? That if we do that, then all these other things will be taken care of as well. Amen. Pastor Mike read Psalm 37 this morning in chapter 4, says it this way, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. But here's the challenge. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Seek first. Seek first. We are to seek the things of God as a priority over the things of this world. And, and the truth today is God's kingdom. When he says seek first God's kingdom, seek his reign, seek his realm, seek his kingship. Seek that Jesus would have authority in all of the earth. And then he says his righteousness that you would seek that there would be transformation, not just in your life and in your family and in your church, but in the greater community, and that God's principles now are applied in your life. That's what it means to seek His righteousness. That I'm going to not just talk about it, I'm going to live it. Amen. And people can see that I'm from another kingdom, that, that you know, sometimes they think we're crazy, but people can see that we're from another kingdom in a good way. Now, does this mean I should neglect my reasonable and daily duties that help sustain our lives, like laundry and dishes? Nope, sorry, dear, I'm seeking the kingdom today. <laughs> no. We all have those things we need to do. But even in the midst of doing those things, it's my attitude towards those things can be different. Amen. Makes all the difference. I'm taking care of God's business. As a priority in my life, I'm, I'm seeking his salvation. I'm living in obedience of him and sharing the good news of the kingdom to others that need to come in and be part of his kingdom. And as I do that, he's going to take care of things. Believers who have learned this can rest in that reality instead of worry that all these things will be given to you as well. I like what Richard Foster said. He said, the person who does not seek the kingdom of God first does not seek it at all. That's a powerful statement. But how do we know if we're truly seeking God's kingdom? Now, that's something we can't unpack today. We don't have enough time. But somebody raised a couple questions here, which I think we could kind of ponder on. There are questions we can ask, like, where do I primarily spend my energies? 
Is all my time and money spent on goods and activities that will certainly perish? That won't last for eternity? See, see, when I invest in things and I purchase things and I have this light of I'm living for that kingdom, these things don't seem to matter as quite as much. Because we know this is here today and gone tomorrow. We know all of this is perishing. It's when we hold on to these things and we think this is it that we realize very quickly the Lord begins to pry those things right out of our hands. Because if we are kingdom people, we are to seek his kingdom first. God's kingdom, I seek to evangelize. I seek to see his kingdom come into the lives of other people. But I also seek first his righteousness that I foster in my own life, that basic Christian behavior and his compassion as I go through my life and my everyday so I'm saying to you today, I'm challenging us today as a church at the beginning of this new year and, and that there's a shift. Now, my, hear me right, there's shifts going on everywhere. I've been speaking to people, I've been speaking to pastors, spent three days in Cavendish together, and we're all talking about this shift. There's a shift happening. And you know what happens during a shift? We get terrified. Because we like everything to stay the same, what we like, what we want, don't change anything, Pastor. <laughs> But it is in those shifts that God can do a mighty work. If you want revival, it comes through a major shift and renewal. And the kingdom of God comes in a very powerful way. Not the way that we would think, not the box that we would like to put God in. And I want to challenge you today that I believe that we are in a shift. And God is wanting to do a new thing here in our lives. And will you let the king in this morning? Will you let him into your life? Will we let him into our church? Will we let him into our families? And so here is the recipe, the remedy, the radical call from Jesus to you, to me this morning. This is the part that you need to play. The kingdom is his. Everything that happens is his. The church is his. The ministries are his. All of it is his. Always has been. Always will be. But this is what you get to do. You get to participate as heirs of the kingdom by seeking his kingdom first. By seeking his righteousness first. By putting God's rule and reign in your heart and that it would be greater than anything else that you see around you. I like this statement. Here is the profound statement for the year. And this is where I've been challenged. And I know you're going to be challenged when I said it. How to seek the kingdom and righteousness first? Seek yourself last. Amen. That's it. Yeah. What were we told in God's word? To put the needs of who? Others. Others. Above yourself. That, that Jesus himself came, our king came, and he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. That's the kind of kingdom we're a part of. And that authority is given as we watch our Lord get down on his hands and knees and wash the feet of sinful men. That's the kingdom. That's his kingdom, which is not of this world. And so, if we really want to seek the kingdom of God first, we're going to have to seek ourselves last. And that means now I, Betty Zita, need to realign my priorities.
but you will need to realign yours as well if we're going to seek his kingdom first. John the Baptist was also an example of this when his words were what? He must increase and I must decrease. You know, I read that about John, about how humble John must have been when he had these disciples following him, when all these people were being baptized and Jesus shows up and his disciples now go and leave him and follow Jesus. And he actually points them away. I thought, wow, there is servitude. There is putting the kingdom of God first. And that's when he starts to say, may he increase and may I decrease. It's never about us. It's all about him. So I, I was praying. I've been looking at pictures. I was, I was doing something interesting. And I thought, well, if anybody seen me, it looked weird. But I was like, I was praising the Lord. I was putting on YouTube, you know, YouTube uh, Elevation Worship and Magic City and all that. And now they have it. You can do karaoke and sing with them. And I was worshiping the Lord because I'm just used to Pastor Mike pulls the guitar out. And he worships the Lord, and I worship with him. Well, now Pastor Mike's in Toronto, and I'm there for a week seeking God's face. And, and I'm like, well, how do I do it? Well, God provided. And I was just worshiping the Lord. And I began to look at things, and God, what is the kingdom? And I'm going to share this with you because it was something very special to me. It might be nothing to you, but this picture came up when I was looking at what does it look like to seek the kingdom? To seek his kingdom first. And it resonated with me. I don't know what your Christian walk, your Christian faith looks like. <laughs> but this is what God is wanting for Benazia. That this is what it means to seek God with all my heart. And, and I just thought, you know, someone's been talking about how we need to become like a child. How we need to come back to that childlike faith. Where we need to trust Him, where He is leading us and carrying us through. And we're just trusting Him and holding on to Him for dear life. And it is sweet union, and it is wonderful, despite what's going on around us, that there is this place where God can carve out for each one of us every day that special place that we can be so united and tied with Him. Now, I believe that God is not just wanting me to search for His kingdom and seek His kingdom first, but He's wanting to do the same for you. Here's the big question. This picture for me says trust. Do you trust him today? Do you trust him that all those things that you're so worried and concerned and anxious about, do you trust him today? Because often in our individuality and self-sufficiency, we have it all figured out and we can do it. And the truth of it is when it comes to the kingdom, we can do nothing. But he wants to do everything. You know, as I bring this to a close today, how many times in God's word it says, do not be afraid, it says it right up there, 365 times. <laughs> it's like the Lord knew that we needed to hear that. That 365 scriptures a year, you need to look at that. There's one for every day because he knows that while we are part of his kingdom, but walking in this worldly kingdom, we can have fears, worries, concerns, and even become anxious and have anxiety. And so that is a reality. That, that is this, until we wait till his return, this is where we're, we're in, and we're going to look at the end of the series, the already and the not yet of his kingdom. But that is the reality of where we are. 
And I want to ask you today, what are you worrying about? And Jesus makes it known very well in the scripture. He's got the formula. And see, I, I think I need to bring those prayer concerns to the Lord. And hear me right, he wants to hear your concerns. But I think that's the remedy. I'll just, I'm just so anxious and stressed, and this is what God needs to do. And so God, here's my list. Fix my husband, fix my kids, fix the situation, fix everybody. Oh, that's all wonderful. <laughs> no. What does God say we do? We seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. All these other things he'll take care of. Now, will they all go away? Probably not. Will you get on your knees and pray in the morning and say, Lord, today I want to seek your kingdom and then your day will be perfect and you'll have no issues? Nope. But you know what? His kingdom and the king starts to shine brighter than all the issues around. They all begin to fade in light of the kingdom. And I know sometimes, as a good news expression, I can get my knickers in a knot over things that are not going to matter six months from now or a year from now or for eternity. So maybe that's a good question to ask ourselves. Is this going to matter come eternity? No. So why I have to deal with it, but I don't need to put all of my energy and time and mental thought into it. And I, I know this is not something that's just going to happen like that. It's something that we need to work on and pray about and ask the Lord to help us if we're very uh, anxious people. Maybe we need some professional help. But we're not to be going around as people with anxiety. That's not God's desire for us as the Church of Jesus Christ as the Kingdom. So another thing that God directed me to <clears throat> is this show. I, I stayed away from TV except for watching the news, uh, but on YouTube this kind of came up and I thought, well, that's interesting, and I looked into what this was about, and it's a, BB, a BBC show and called The Simpler Life, and I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm trying to remove myself from everything to simplify. I'm, I'm trying to get away from social media to hear the word of God. I'm, I'm trying to go vegan and eat no healthy things so that even what I'm putting into my body is not those things that I'm used to, that I like and fill my life with. And so as I was doing that, I was saying, well, I'm looking for a simpler life. I'm looking for something so this show pops up. And what's interesting about this show, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it, it's, um, they've taken people who live, most of them I think in the city of London, and 24 complete strangers, well some of them are couples, so hopefully they're not strangers to each other, but you know, like this, this was people who did not know themselves before this experiment, and for six months, they've left the city, they've taken away all their social media, and they've gone to live on a farm out in the country in England, with complete strangers. For six months. Now you imagine what the show is like. And what they do, the family in the middle, is they've taken a family from the U.S., an Amish family, and they are brought in, flown in from USA to teach these Brits how to live a simpler life and how to be hardworking and work on the farm. And so I say all that to say. It's quite interesting because all of a sudden the scientist will come up from America and he'll give his input. This is a scientific experiment that they're doing. And they'll give their, 
response on what they feel is the dynamic that is happening. At one point, I won't give the show away, but at one point, some have left, and they're in different homes on this complex, and the community and the farm are supposed to be doing all this, and all of a sudden, gossip starts, and judgment, and uh, they're antagonistic towards each other, and they're not willing to work together, and one stays inside, and she's pasteurizing the milk, but the other ones are saying, you know, I've never seen her get dirty and come out in the farm and work. And so they're at each other. They're like a bunch of chickens pecking on each other. And it was interesting. I say all this to say to you what the scientist said. He said, you will find people at odds with each other and antagonistic towards each other unless they have a vision that's bigger than them. And that they begin to live for the community and not for self and individuality. And that they begin to rally around what this common goal and this common vision is. And you begin to see this change and transformation in that community where they put their pettiness and their judgment and their gossip aside and they all picked up the vision that they had for the six months that they were there to begin to live self-sufficient off the land. God said to me at that moment, that's what the kingdom is. That's what the kingdom is. If we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're about the kingdom, and we're to seek his kingdom first, that is God's rallying point. The moment that we begin to envision that God's kingdom is our main purpose and our main vision as a church, all the pettiness begins to fall. All the judgment and, and, and this, my family versus your family, my needs versus your needs. I want to sing this song. No, we want to sing that song. All of this foolishness and pettiness that has filled the church for decades begins to fade. When we get one common vision and goal, that we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first.